0: Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I'm Lenny and here at Waking Up to Grace we teach full grace and put nothing in its place. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about predestination and the problem uh, there is with predestination. And in order to really understand this problem we're going to compare and contrast predestination with free will. And uh, you know, and what I mean pre- predestination, I'm talking about the the doctrine that a lot of people know about, where God actually created us for a specific purpose from the beginning of time. And um, if I had to describe it in, in a, a few words, I'd, I'd say it goes a little something like this: God created uh, the heavens and the earth, and uh, put all these things together for us, and all the while, before all this was even done, Jesus was in the mix, and there was a plan in place, and uh, Jesus was going to come, and then at that time, there would be an adoption that takes place where sons and daughters of the true and living God would be born into this world. And those were created in advance. We were so, as believers, we were prepared in advance for His glory, as as scripture says, um, so that He could glory in His relationship with us and show His glory through us, in and through us. And we also enjoy the benefits of that glory and share in His love. But it's not all about us, it's actually a lot about Him, and probably more about Him than it is anything. He chose to have. A relationship with us. He chose to create sons and daughters that he could call his own. And Jesus called them his brothers, uh, those of us who believe. And so predestination paints this beautiful picture, you know, that we were chosen for high and great purposes before the beginning of time, and that God's glory will shine through us. And so we have this assurance, and we have this peace, and we have this great noble comfort to think that wow the the true living God has actually created us with purpose. But then there's the problem. you know, the problem is is that that means there was other things created that had a different purpose, doesn't it? And uh, that's that's where everybody. Uh, starts to say he's an evil puppet master or you know we're not all robots and uh, so then we you know come up with these ideas that cater more to the human nature like free will like we have a choice and that sounds really good we're free right so you know that that sounds much more pleasing you know to our to our human intellect that we're free so but let's talk a little bit more about the problem uh, with with uh, predestination. So continuing on the problem that we have with predestination is is that it's impossible to to come to God without Him opening our, our eyes and giving us life because we were born dead in our sin. And so, if it's impossible for us to to come to Christ, then how is it fair? How is that just? How is that right? And, you know, comparatively, we can actually, um, you know, and, and this is since the fall, you know, so Adam and Eve were put in the garden, and God, you know, basically said, don't eat of the knowledge, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, you'll surely die. Well, they ate, and they died spiritually, and brought physical death into the earth, and so on and so forth. And since then, uh, Scripture describes us as dead in sin. But we know that there was a plan before that. Uh, that took place. Um, so anyhow, getting back to it, if we are incapable of of making this decision to come to God, then therefore God is just damning people to hell basically and sending people to hell. And that just doesn't sound right. It sounds unjust, doesn't it? And um, so that's way out a justice system, you know, here and just look at different uh, angles of justice so that we can come to better understanding of what that actually means. So in the world, we have a, a justice system in place, and uh, the the rules and the, the nature of the world seem to follow, and the scripture teaches us this, is that the, the evil will flourish, and yet the good will will have to have adversity. We're going to have to really work hard to get through things. I mean, look at the early Christians. Look at Christianity all through history it's been a very difficult run for the christian and uh you know whether you like christianity or not you have to come to terms that there's all through history and persecution it's been called this and that and all kinds of names and we've uh, it's been deemed as evil by the world and so you have evil in the world flourishing all good is actually struggling and um, many people would say that how could god do such a thing why would god create such a world and so we have this problem but then the gospel solves that problem right so you have the natural view and then you have this new view from the gospel angle that uh, that the, the world is is evil but when you know we come to christ we're regenerated and there's something that comes after this life that's better and all the evil will be brought to justice and the good will actually have an eternal inheritance that's wonderful to enjoy forever and ever. So we have this justice system that God provides and he is going to give evil what the, what it deserves and give good what it deserves. But all the while, we have to come to, uh, we have to be able to accept that a good and a loving God that's all love, God is love, as Scripture says, will send people to hell for any reason. And uh, so the problem with predestination and God uh, sending people to hell, per se, where actually Scripture says that man has no excuse. And so on one hand, God, uh, man is without excuse, uh, but on the other hand, he can't really do anything about it. So free will attempts to solve this problem by saying that God loved the world and God is love, and so He gave man a choice. And so we have we then have a different picture. Uh, we we have this this gospel that Jesus unleashed on the world that's so simple. It made it so simple to achieve salvation that man missed it. The, that mankind can miss it. It's so easy. And uh, it it paints a picture in such a way that if only you were to be able to get the gospel onto QVC, the whole world might be saved. Uh, We just need to get it out there and uh, because it's so simple and you'd have to be an idiot not to believe it. Um, But there's there's problems there too. And so we have to end up coming to terms with the reality that uh, predestination and free will both have this same problem. So God is damning people. And so are you going to say that God is a bad salesman, uh, that he who created your very personality and knows everything about you is not going to be able to sell you his son as a, as a, as salvation, he's going to fail and he's going to miss the mark, or maybe he's just too much of a gentleman. He doesn't want to push the sale. So he just kind of puts it out there and hopes that you'll be humble enough to choose it. And, uh, you know, what, what really makes one person choose over the other? Is it their sheer intellect? Is it their 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 cunning common sense? Because if we look at, you know, it being an easy believism, as they call it, easy to believe, um, that doesn't sound quite right. If it's so easy, why is the narrow road so narrow? Why are not many people believing? Is God failing at large? Is God just a really bad salesman? That doesn't make any sense, does it? And not to mention, let's just stack on top of that, the fact that there's no way to argue that there's people in the world that have lived their entire life and never heard the gospel. So if God was so loving that he gave everybody this choice, why did some people get deprived of that choice? Why are some people just seem to be doomed to hell? The scripture teaches us that the the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin in regards to unbelief, almost like challenging it to battle. But yet, not every single human being has heard the gospel message. It's been preached in all the world, to the Jew and to the Gentile, but the Bible never says that every single creature will hear the gospel message. It never promises that. It just promises those who hear and believe will be saved. And so if somebody doesn't hear it, how is it fair that God allowed this to happen? How could a holy and just God, who is all love, allow this to happen, allow people to not hear the gospel? This is is a problem, isn't it? It's a problem with both doctrines. So if we then have this problem with both doctrines, how are we to reconcile this? How are we to make sense of it? Well, we'd have to look at scripture for one, for if we're, if we're going to see the truth, we'd want to look at everything from the Old Testament and on to Jesus all the way through the apostles and see what they said on the issue. And if you look at the if you look at the t- topic and this doctrine with with spiritual eyes and, you know, I know this sounds crazy because, you know, I can say, well, I, I follow it because God told me to and yada, yada. But if you give it a, a an honest look and you compare, you would find that the doctrine of free will doesn't actually exist in Scripture and you can't support it. And either way, you have this problem. So let's just look at the problem. How are we going to come to terms with this all loving God, allowing people to make bad choices that are going to go to hell at large? or or just going ahead and allowing humans to be humans uh, who had no chance and saving some, even though they hated him. we we have we have a, a, you know this this thing on our hands that we have to come to terms with, and it would be God's glory. So there is a truth in Scripture over who who chooses who and and how we come to to Christ and so on and so forth. But we also have the story of the gospel that lightens the load. God sent His Son into the world so that so that those who believe can be saved. There's this open invitation, right? So this wide open invitation. He loved the world enough to send an invitation uh, into the world to save those who would believe. And so, you know, we can we can look at that for peace. We know that he loved. and you know, before uh, before I came to terms with the greatness of his love, It was very hard to come to terms with the harshness of the reality uh, in the way that he has a system of glory and he has a justice system that is beyond our comprehension. And um, it's, it's very, very well laid out in scripture and it teaches us exactly what it is. But we can't comprehend it humanly. It's difficult to reconcile and to be able, from a human vantage point, to understand. But the scripture tells us someday we will see him in all his glory. And so, what what must it take to be able to uh, to be able to come to terms with these these difficult concepts? Well, the answer is simple: faith. We have to have faith that God is who he says he is. He is all righteous. He is all knowing. He is love. He is all powerful. He is sovereign. And we have to, we ought to accept that. We ought to embrace that and be in awe of it. Because when we have his love in our lives, all we can do is be grateful for that. And if you don't have that love, you're going to hate it. He hardened Pharaoh in such a way to where Pharaoh um, just kept on getting worse. So how did he harden Pharaoh? Did he do something to Pharaoh, cast some kind of a spell on him uh, so that he was unable to resist? Or some say that he just, uh, he judged Pharaoh after giving him a fair chance. Well, the answer is actually not that complicated if you understand the nature of humanity as scripture teaches it. So the, the Pharaoh has a human nature because he hasn't been, his eyes hasn't, haven't been opened to God's truth. And so all that God really needs to do to make somebody hardened is to reveal himself to them and to reveal his grace and his sovereignty. And they will grind their teeth and clench and begin hating. And that's exactly why they crucified Jesus. It's not complicated. The human nature hates God by nature. They can say all they want that that they don't, but they do in their hearts. And uh, that's that's why he was crucified. Today, you have a lot of people condescendingly saying, I think Jesus was a great teacher. I have no issue with Jesus. But they don't realize or even comprehend the fact that he said he is the one true and living God. And the only way you're going to enter heaven is through him. And if you're believing in other gods plus Jesus, that's idolatry. And you can't believe in Jesus plus other gods. That's not that's not believing in Jesus. That's saying that he's not Lord. That's saying he's just one of the many. That's that's not salvation. So uh, anyhow, that's that's not going to save us. So I truly don't believe that uh, that the scripture or God or anybody encourages us to think about the bad aspects of things and the hell and the damnation. It's actually all around us we see spiritually dead people all the time and it is uh, grieving and disturbing to have to see because uh god teaches us to love others even love our enemies because he loved his enemies otherwise we wouldn't be saved and so he teaches us to to see things that way so that we're not uh, consumed with this negative view of his glory because we don't understand it it's it's well written of what it uh, how it operates but we don't understand how that we, we can justify it, how that can be viewed as good and loving. Uh, so the Apostle Paul actually um, mentions it in a what-if type of a scenario, uh, because after he goes on to, uh, to talk about the seriousness and the graveness of what, what it seems to be, the sovereignty of God, the aspects of it where people are concerned, he says, what if? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? And then it says, even us, whom he also called not only from the Jews, but from the Gentiles. So it's... All people now are called uh, from from all different places. He's not just looking at Israel as a nation. He he has chosen people in advance from all the world, not just Israel. And so he says, "What if? What if basically God used the darkness to show us the light? What if God used us evil, uh, used evil to show us good? Because truly, God must be working in all things." Uh, if if God were to have no power over Satan, he would rule over the world indefinitely and there would be nobody saved. We can't see Satan. And uh, so how could we destroy him? We can't see a demon. So how could we destroy him? Um, we, we don't even understand why we do things in the flesh for that matter. So, you know, I, I believe Satan was destroyed as part of the fulfilled prophecy. Uh, but the 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 idea of demons still roaming around is is a is one that you can't really say yes or no on. Uh, so you have these unseen things, and let's just say there's a, a demon. You're going to take that on on your own when you can't even see it. It's impossible. You need God. You can't battle up against these spiritual forces, and so you know, what if he uses these things to reveal us? God is obviously working in all things. He is able to harden. He was able to harden Pharaoh just by the use of his glory. Pharaoh hated him worse by nature. He works in all things, and he operates in all things, and everything has purpose. If everything didn't have purpose, it would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? You step into a, a cab or, a, let's say today, a, an Uber car and you get in and, the, you know, and let, let's just play out a scenario here. So you get into this Uber car and, and and the driver, you know, seems very compassionate towards you. He really cares about you. And he says, uh, you know, I you get in actually with a group of people. Uh, there's a whole group, in an Uber limo, let's call it and uh, the the driver, again, he seems very compassionate, and he really he really wants to get you where you're gonna go. And so he says, uh, you know, that's being that I really love you guys, that I really care about you guys. I want you to be able to have a, you know take part in this journey to get where we're going. There's a destination that we have to get to. And um, I I have a destination for you, but I want you guys to be able to join in. And so, you know, feel free. You guys all have gas pedals, brakes, and steering wheels. And they're all going to steer this this vehicle around wherever you choose. And so, you know, our destination, because I want you to be part of it and I love you, I want you to be able to control this vehicle. And so, would you want to get into that <laughs> that Uber vehicle? Would you step foot in that Uber vehicle? I know I wouldn't, but I know one that I would. let's Let's look at another scenario. This Uber driver picks up his limousine full of people, and he says, "You know what? I love you guys, and i want I want to get you to the destination safely. So what I want you to do is sit back, enjoy the ride, just do what do what comes from your heart and enjoy yourself while we're getting there." And, uh, you know, I'm going to get you there indefinitely. We will get to our destination because I am a pro driver. I know where to go. I know how to navigate and I'm going to get us there safely. So you just don't worry about a thing. How would you like that ride? You know, you can willingly do whatever you want inside of this cab and nothing's going to affect your salvation. You're going to get there fully and safely. So this is how it is when God is sovereign. So let's just think about which, you know, which God, (laughs) being that people always separate the two, I wouldn't believe in that God, he's an evil puppet master, or, you know, my God is love. Let's just really think about that for a minute, what you're saying, if you if you're following these free will doctrines, do you do you really want a will that's equal or above God's? Is that even scriptural? Or is that starting to hinge on you becoming your own God in a very similar fashion that Adam and Eve chose to do when they were deceived at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I challenge you to put some thought into it. And um, you know, if, if you guys want to look harder at the issue, there's there's some great literature out there, you know, that you can look at to to dive deep, you know. Um, one in particular that that I highly recommend. And um is uh, the bondage of the will. Uh, martin Luther's bondage of the will. this is this is a good read, and uh, i I recommend it if you're trying to toss up the issue, trying to figure figure out how to come to terms with this, uh, because uh, martin luther was was uh, very eloquently writing about this, and he he wrote against the opposing side. And, um, when, when you read and when you, when you just take and take it in, you can't help but come to a certain conclusion in the spirit. And, uh, so, so give it a go, you know, and, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it shed some perspective on this topic for you guys, you know, that, uh, you know, whether either way that you believe it, you, you have to come to terms with the fact that, you know, somebody's at fault here, you know, you can, you can blame humanity. But that just makes God a bad salesman. Uh, <laughs> that just means God failed humanity. So who's failing? Uh, is, it, is is humanity failing or God failing? Which one is it? I mean, it's such a such a crazy thing to think about, and we should never give any kind of credit or lip service to anything other than God Himself for our salvation from start to finish. And if and if faith is uh, something that we have to do by choice, that's an action. Faith is not an action. It's passive, and it's something that God does in us. Scripture tells us that. God is the distributor of faith. It's written right in Scripture, and so we should trust in that. And uh, so anyhow, today, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the day out there and uh, continue to wake up in grace and take in some more and uh, invite you guys on to our next one. Hope you had a good time.